0: everybody, again, welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Curtis Byers, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports News and Analysis. Well, I would not have thought that a game in which Rice uh, at one point led a Power 5 opponent by 10 and was tied going into a, the fourth quarter could have left a bad taste in my mouth, and yet here we
1: <laughs> We needed the cool-down period.
0: Yeah, yeah, still sad.
1: Yeah, we <laughs> we got a lot to get to. And as we as we told you guys last, I guess, last week at this point, our podcast this time around, we're going to kind of spend most of our time camping out and kind of debriefing, if you will, kind of the, the game that that was. And if you want more preview specific content, we're going to get that more on the the YouTube show, the Blue and Gray preview show. That's Wednesdays at noon on the Rice Athletics YouTube page. Uh, myself and J.P. Heath do that. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. So if you want a look ahead, go look there. If you want to, I guess, relive. Relive the horror. <laughs> right. You know, hopefully it's it's not always the horror. But we got some horror to get to this week. Uh, and then, of course, if you want, we'll, we'll talk some injuries. Unfortunately, a little bit probably in this podcast. If you want. Uh, notes on how the quarterback rotation is looking like in practice because we saw some of that already this week and go ahead and subscribe on patreon we got all that we'll probably hit the high points here but all the nitty-gritty is there and uh, you'll get a you know a couple bonus takeaways on the game some thoughts like that i had a we're doing a uh kind of a a live game play-by-play and kind of key moments on the Patreon page, too. So we always got something there for you. So go ahead and check that out. And I think that about probably does us for housekeeping peace. And that kind of gets us to Arkansas. So, (laughs) Carter, after after a couple days to collect yourself, (laughs) where are you at, man? I'm, like, I think
0: there are some positives to take away. And you know, as I've been saying before the season started, like getting through this 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 Southwest Conference slate uh, of of Arkansas, UH, and Texas, these first three games is less about what the record looks like after those three games. Although I absolutely feel like Rice has a chance to win this game against UH on Saturday, but it's less about what the record looks like and more about how is the team set up going forward. And a conference play. And there are some definite positives to take away from this. Um, I thought for most of the game, they really did not look physically overmatched against an SEC team, which is very much saying something. Um, There were lots of positives on offense. The defense is just as good as we expected. Um, But there are definitely things to clean up. There are definitely things they really, really need to improve on.
1: And they really
0: cannot afford any more serious injuries than they already have from that one game. So
1: yeah, stay I was, healthy,
0: settle on a quarterback. And um, yeah, that's about it. Honestly,
1: I was talking with Bloomgrin about that on, on Monday. I said, you've coached a lot of football games. Have you ever, ever been in a game like that where they were dropping like flies? And uh, it was it was something else. And this was something that I didn't originally catch when I was going through, you know, through the, the live action. But I, I went through and I, I rewatched the game and I got to the the fourth quarter. And by the time the fourth quarter rolled around and, you know, as everyone, I'm sure, is painfully aware that it was a tie game at the start of the fourth quarter. By the time the fourth quarter got there and it was. The onslaught of the Arkansas offense started. Uh, Naeem Smith was not in the game. Uh, Sean Fresh was not in the game. Kenneth Orgy was not in the game. And uh, Treshawn Chamberlain had since reentered the game after being air casted off the field. (laughs) Oh, so it was good to have him back. He's he's doing great. Um, Got x-rayed out in the. I guess, beginning of second quarter and said, I saw him Monday, Tuesday, whenever it was, and he's doing fine. So we will have him back. And and, and we will see on the the rest of them. I'll kind of have more updates that you, that's where you need to go check out the Patreon and see who's practicing on Thursday. Uh, it seemed like we did have a lot of those guys back on the field on, on the defensive front. Um, so, so that was good. And then I kind of, I want to kind of segment the defensive performance into two pieces because, you know, obviously we're going to remember the fourth quarter and I think there was something, some aspect of getting SEC'd, not not to use that as an, the bigger, faster, stronger over the totality of 60 minutes. Uh, I think that was part of it. I think there was another part that, Man, when the offense started imploding and the defense was putting their back against the wall time and time again, eventually you break because that's how football eventually starts. the dam breaks. Yeah. yeah, right. And that doesn't make you a, a bad defense. That's just like <laughs> if you're a defense and you you win 50 percent of the time, that's probably better than average. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, you're I like... felt the first three quarters for the defense was much more illustrative of like who they are and what they're going to be this season than the you know, like I said, the dam breaking in the fourth quarter. So nothing, nothing about what happened on defense in the fourth quarter, like other than injuries, gave me any reason for concern at all. Like I am not concerned about that point total. I am not concerned about twenty-one points in the fourth quarter. Like none of that concerns me in the slightest. I thought they were um, every bit kind of as good as we hoped they'd be. I mean, they gave up one score in the the first half, and then other than that, it was like five three and outs. Basically, yeah, or if, something if, like that.
1: If K.J. Jefferson is, like, human-sized, and he's, like, a 200-pound a two 200 quarterback, 210, and not 250, Treshawn Chamberlain probably takes him down to the backfield on that third down play, and Rice yep. is probably winning 17 nothing in the beginning of the third quarter. And not that yep. that changes how the game plays out, but... um. Yeah, seven three and outs by this defense. Five of them came in the first half. Uh, the offense and this is a, you know, a negative for the offense as good it was for the defense. The offense, I believe, started on the their own forty nine or better in the four of their first five drives.
0: Yeah, uh, it was close. absolutely a game of field position in the first <laughs> half, um, and it's just it's. Very frustrating that Rice couldn't capitalize on those opportunities for the most part. But
1: yeah, and then we talked a little bit in our preview, Traylon Burks at wide receiver, you know, all SEC, all American kind of player, and he did not make a difference. Maybe maybe that's five catches, 42 yards. Yeah, maybe not a difference, is uh, maybe. Glossing over it a little bit, but I thought the the fact that the guys who were asked to cover him for most of the day uh, were Jordan Dunbar, who was made his first career start. Uh, I don't know if he played. Did he play it all last year? He might have redshirted and seen special teams or yeah. something. But, but this was this was his first time playing <laughs> full time co- collegiate defense, and he was guarding him. And then Sean Fresh on the other side, who also. He started the Middle Tennessee game last year and then got hurt at Southern Miss. So these are two very, very, very green, essentially freshman, technically redshirt freshman corners, I guess. And they looked really good. And the, the entire secondary had just a, a heck of a game. I thought George Nyquall, um had a couple plays and, and just kind of held things together when everybody was going in and out. It was... I was thrilled by how the secondary played. I think from the oh, yeah. start. They were finish. awesome. I mean, yeah.
0: the this is one area where I think just the raw numbers are instructive. Like Jefferson was average six yards in attempt. Uh, he was twelve of twenty-one for 128 yards. Um, in the first half, I think he had like twenty-one total yards passing. Um, so they I mean Arkansas really just had nothing going in the passing game and some of that was on them like jefferson's not the most accurate guy in the world like we talked about burks had a couple drops but like even on like a couple of his drops were like little swing passes that he would have been tackled right at the line anyway so um yeah the secondary just showed off every bit of that like depth and talent that we've come to expect from them and just kind of smothered an sec passing game um a Kendall Bryle's offense SEC passing game for basically the whole afternoon. Um, So they were pretty fabulous. And the front was, um, you know, in terms of, at least against the run, like the final numbers aren't great, like 44 carries for 245 yards for Arkansas. Um, But a lot of that was in the fourth quarter when, uh, you know, Wiley Green was throwing interceptions and uh, the, Overall, uh, you know, the the dam had started to break as, as I've said a lot of times, like,
1: yeah, and I, and I think
0: through those first couple of quarters, it felt like they were holding up well against the run,
1: and I think a big, big portion of that was how well they played on third down because I think. Uh, even if you go back and kind of dig through it, they averaged, six, Arkansas rather, averaged 6.3 yards per carry before halftime, and and uh, what are we looking at? After halftime, five after half, so actually productive, cool. and you had the, the long run from Jefferson kind of takes that up a little bit, but I think yeah. the, what kind of um, hit it a little bit was Rice was so good on third down to start the yeah. game that... Arkansas did have a couple plays where they pop off a four-yard run and then a five-yard run, but the defense held on third and one, third and two, and that kind of limited how effective they were able to be, so I think that's something that I – the front is hard to kind of gauge in a game like this, especially against an offense like this, because – how quickly Jefferson was trying to get the ball out and in his ability as a runner, there wasn't as many opportunities, I think, as, you know, maybe some of the other more traditional, uh, you know, spread schemes to, to get to the quarterback and create pressure. Um, and so that was, uh, I, maybe I put that as an incomplete, uh, something I'm not sure if I saw or not from this game. I think that they, they did end up with two sacks, So that was encouraging, and I think there was clearly enough movement and um, maybe confusion created by by the front seven that he obviously never got comfortable. I think the the secondary played well, but you could kind of tell as he was going through um, his reads or, or whatever he was kind of trying to piece through that there was something off in his delivery. Uh, and I think he just never really had time to to settle down. <laughs> you know, maybe that's making yeah. your first home start ever as a, a part of that. But th- he was there was something shaky. And I think that the secondary capitalized on that, but definitely a credit to to the front seven there. And because that, that was something I, I, frankly, I didn't know if, you know, we've, we've we've heard the talk about how this front seven is going to improve. I I, I I didn't see anything that to make me doubt that that was the case. Is that fair? Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I think so. Like, like you said, it's. I don't know that you can grade them completely in terms of like a pass rush on this. And you know, especially like, this was not a case of like, oh, you know, Rice is you know, at a talent deficit, but they're you know, they've got this veteran front, and Arkansas is like breaking in. Like Arkansas was one of those teams that uh, I'm pretty sure got back their whole offensive line this year. So this was a veteran group they were going up against. And there weren't a lot of opportunities to just pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. Um, but two sacks is, you know, all things considered, pretty fine. And like you said, it's clear they were making Jefferson uncomfortable at times. Um, so I don't know that you can say going forward from this, like, yes, Rice's pass rush is like definitely improved and it's going to be a strength going forward. But I think if you are looking for reasons for optimism on front, on that front, you can definitely find them in this performance.
1: Yeah. And I, I think we're probably going to, I think it's probably going to be different when we talk about talent levels. I think Texas obviously is probably head and shoulders, honestly, above. I mean, not going to be yeah, I mean, Texas Texas a Texas back, like,
0: blue chip ratio team.
1: <laughs> right. Um, but the, and the, Arkansas definitely is not. Right. Yeah. And so there's, there's going to be a, a talent gap there, but there's not going to be another. Uh, Hudson Carter is great, but he's not. Uh, uh, Bloomberg referred to him as Dante Culpepper. Uh, <laughs> more, more than once, It's kind of a kind of a joke, but kind of not. Um, obviously, he's not quite quite on that level yet. But uh, the size, speed, uh, power combination, I think, was because I saw Giovanni uh, Traeshawn Chamberlain made the the comment that Giovanni should have been wearing a thirty pound flak uh, flak vest during practice to help simulate
0: because
1: <laughs> he was the scout guy, right? So you yeah. can simulate the running, but not. <laughs> Yeah, not the, the
0: size.
1: Yeah, but overall, I think I, 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 we knew this defense was was great. I I feel just as strongly about that. It, the, they were able to shut down probably the best wide receiver they're going to play all year. Is kind of I scan through my mental rolodex of opponents, uh, probably at least up there. Uh, they're definitely going to see better passers, but for the most part, I, I thought the coverage was was great. I, I immediately go go back to there was the sequence after the turnover, uh, one of the one of the interceptions where they were set up with the ball in the red zone and were basically just taking pot shots at the young corners on those two up and go routes, and uh, the the third down route against i think that was on mccord drew a pi flag which yeah i'm i'm never going to be one to quibble about flags because you get some and you don't um it was pro- probably you know wouldn't been shocked if they hadn't thrown it um, yeah if they did i was like mm, okay like but i i thought that in particular that sequence where because they hit tried to go after dunbar on the first one and perfect coverage and mccord was right there with the second one um so yeah i I remember that
0: sequence and i remember being very like even through the flag which was annoying but like i remember just being impressed with how sticky the coverage was uh on on, just on both sides from from everybody in that secondary um so yeah just a very impressive sequence very impressive performance
1: yeah so give brian smith a raise whatever he is doing (laughs) yeah please don't let somebody (laughs) steal him he's doing right it was absolutely phenomenal um from and you know I'd, if you would have told me where rice was going to give up 38 points I don't know if I would have been predicting I would have said that but uh, yeah no. all things considered they converted three third downs in the game like <laughs>
0: yeah that's a uh, that's pretty solid
1: that's just wild and I think the I think that the one thing that I think, well, there was lots of things that I think helped, but I think the penalties that Arkansas put themselves under, that was one of the sloppiest games I've ever seen played by. It it was, Rice got bailed out, and and this is something that I think, as we kind of get to the offensive side, they had their two starting linebackers ejected in this game for targeting, and Rice still couldn't run the ball, granted like Big guys up front, not not a CUSA front, but you would have kind of hoped that they were able to get something. But they never really, they never really got into the second level. On yeah, maybe more than one or two runs. I was there. What was their longest run of the day? Was it the fullback dive by Brendan Suckley? Uh yes. I technically it was. I, I official yeah, stats. Yeah, you don't say want your seven. um.
0: You don't want your highest per carry average of anybody who uh, carries the ball on your team to be the fullback.
1: That I just I'm looking on the I'm pretty sure on the screen it said eight. It's officially been reduced to seven. So yeah, long of seven for him, Griffin and Myers. So first collegiate carry, I'm I'm fairly certain for Mister Suckley,
0: and (laughs) led
1: the team (laughs) longest yards. Yeah, that's a. uh, that's a tough one, man. <laughs> yeah. And watching it like,
0: I don't know, looking at the rushing numbers now, I they're honestly worse than I felt like they were while I was watching the game. Like, I knew they hadn't broken any big runs. Um, but it did feel like at times the front managed to get some movement and they were able to at least spring those guys like into the kind of linebacker area of the field, the second level, if you will. Like there were times when it's like, okay, they lined up and ran it at him on first down and got like five or six yards. And
1: Yeah, because we've we've seen at this point, we've seen the offensive line overwhelmed and the running backs hit bodies and get turned away. And I and I don't know how to quite describe it either, because I was watching this game and I was like, they're not like running like crazy, but I didn't in the moment it didn't feel As bad as it ended up being?
0: I I think it was largely consequences. And, you know, I talked... Talked everybody's ear off in the last pod about how um, Arkansas, the way they play defense and just keep people in front of them and gang tackle and get to the ball, I felt like it was a lot of that. Just in that, like, the line did their job on a fair number of plays, but there was just never any space for the running backs to take it from a 5-yard carry to, like, a 12-yard carry. Like, once... If they broke through the line, once they did, they were being swarmed. So, um, obviously not an encouraging performance from the running game. I think um, in the future when they face defenses that aren't quite that, like, swarming and that don't play that kind of style and aren't as good at playing it, uh, there will be more opportunities for those 5 or 6 yard games to turn into to 10 plus yards. So, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I, and was I think that's... worried
0: about the offensive line coming into this game. I'm I wouldn't say that those worries have been uh like alleviated much, but I don't think they're like I'm not I don't feel worse about it than I did going into this game.
1: Yeah, I can think of only one play in particular where I was like, what happened offensive line? Um which I kind of feel like that was we had that that game with the secondary right in 2018 mm-hmm. and 2019. How many plays just went right over their head? Um, and I feel like we've kind of gotten to been able to play that game with the offensive line over the past couple of years, too. of how many times was it just like, nope. And uh, it was the fourth down run by Jordan Myers was the only time in this game where the offensive line just looked overwhelmed. And, you know, I we can kind of back up because I think that might have been maybe a turning point in this game because at that point, um, that fourth down stop that was the game was seventeen seventeen at that point. Yeah. No. Is that right? It was seventeen fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. So Arkansas had just. Um, gotten that touchdown back and that's when they got stopped on it so i uh when they were going down there kind of felt like a didn't really feel make or break honestly because how good the defense had been playing up to that point but it was a point where i was i was very okay with with going for it and as as much as someone people some people kind of grimace at the the jumbo package as i've kind of watched this play out in scrimmage against the Rice front which is very good and you don't get don't, not many teams get big yardage and are able to to get that inside run against this this unit that most teams don't try to the degree Arkansas did and so that jumbo package the conversion rate from what we've seen in games and and, and practice is is probably it's got to be like 65-70%
0: it's very easy yeah like I had it's frustratingly good
1: you don't think uh, something that simple should work that many times and it it does yeah i mean it's just a matter of like
0: if you load up that many bodies it's not that hard to get like one yard like you're not going to get real you're not going to go much of anywhere but if all you need is like a little bit like it's it's not too difficult to do that so um i had no problem with with going for it i really didn't have any problem with the call either um, because they have had a lot of success lining up in that package and getting those short yardage conversions. So um, I thought it was the right call. Um, it didn't work out. That's just how things go sometimes. So um, I, was, I listened to to the Mike Bloomgren show earlier today, and um, JP was saying something like, yeah, no, you went for it there. It was obviously the right call. And, um, <laughs> and Bloom was like, well, it's not obviously the right call, is it? Because obviously a lot of people are going to have issues with it. Like, let me just... <laughs> you, you don't have to hedge bloom. Like, it was obviously the right call to go for it. Just because he didn't get it doesn't mean that that anyone who was doubting that call was... Uh, was uh, correct in their doubts. You, you, you should have gone for that. You made the right call. It just didn't work.
1: Yeah, and we've had conversations about wishing this team would be more aggressive in years past. And right. I, I think at the point, he is he has so much more leeway to take extra shots that don't work than to not take the shots i think that's that's probably yeah. pretty fair uh, and especially in that situation as a, a a 20 point underdog winning on the road like yeah you take that shot um so yeah that 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 was that was tough and then you had i guess probably we can the next kind of sequence where everything just fell apart Um was so much less fun than the two hours that preceded it.
0: <laughs> um, yeah.
1: But I think, I think we probably need to talk about it in the quarterback piece. So uh Wiley green up until that point had, he had the, the bomb touchdown. I think it was 44 yards officially to August Pete. So he was wide open. I, I, yeah, I've never seen And aside. That was August Pete's best game as a rice Owl. Oh, easily. Just like not even
0: close. He he had I, another big one besides the touchdown.
1: Yeah. And he stepped up when Rosner left the game, I guess, probably on the second or third drive. And it was it was August Pete at the X, And I've not seen much at all of August Pete working at DX ever. Um, because it was Aaron Cephas before Rosner, and and then Pete was hurt all last year. So, yeah. Uh, but he felt, and man, he looked, he was electric, and did, made more plays than Traylon Burks, for what that's worth. I'm not saying he's Traylon Burks, but, uh, but yeah, Rosner and Pete both uh, didn't finish this game with injuries. So that's. Uh. Uh, That's not looking good on that front. (laughs) I'll say that. But quarterback, that's where we started or where we were going. Um, So the sequence after the fourth down, Wiley has a ball that is tipped at the line of scrimmage or close and intercepted. And, you know, from from my vantage point, it looked like he was about to throw into a lot of traffic. So maybe the ball getting knocked down was not the worst thing that could have happened, but the interception probably was. Um, So I was like, I was not like foaming at the mouth upset about that, but it was the sequence after that, that kind of was the most puzzling because that was the drive where McCaffrey had come in and we will get into the, the quarterback carousel. McCaffrey had come in, played first and second down and then his helmet comes off on second down and so by rule he has to leave the game mm-hmm. and so green comes in off fresh off the bench and just telegraphs like his eyes never get off uh was that Pete or uh, Patterson I don't remember who I don't remember yeah, yeah. I've, I've I've blanked it from my memory uh but that was the, that was the interception that was particularly Uh, frustrating because that was kind of and we've we've seen this from from Wiley in the past where just kind of it seems, seems like the pressure gets to him and he gets sped up and that was the one that kind of if the game wasn't going south that would kind of seal the deal yeah
0: it was frustrating because as much as the it's frustrating to watch quarterbacks play musical chairs like things were going okay up until then with the two of them like, McCaffrey played pretty well when he was in, and obviously Wiley had had some really great plays up to that point, like the the throws downfield. Like, I was yelling the whole game for them to get aggressive and go downfield, and then they finally did it and uh, had good results on a couple of plays. Um, and I thought, well, okay, like, it feels like maybe we're at a point where, you know, they we want them to settle on one quarterback, but it feels like at this point that maybe they have two that they can win with if they just will pick one. Um, but then it just, things started to go, things started to turn and Wiley just had the same old issues. Um, and when it went south, it went south in a hurry. So, uh, um, yeah.
1: And it was interesting because Bloomgren let out right before the game that McCaffrey was going to get the third series of each half, which, uh, I, I mean, we've seen him do something similar, like kind of a pre premeditated uh, drive assignment when yeah. it's come to quarterback battles in the past. But I it was interesting because it was it was literally just the third drive with like random plays sprinkled here and there, which was um They brought him in, I think, two or three times in the first half just to hand the ball off on third down, which didn't really make too much sense to me. Um, And then there was nothing that uh, Wiley was doing in particular that. You know, sometimes when you're, you're you have a battle and one guy's dealing, you're like, I'm sorry, dude. Like, he's just he's locked in right now. We, yeah, we can't, you ride the hot hand. You ride the hot hand. And that's totally excusable. And I, the first half, there wasn't anything in particular when I was watching Wiley that I was. It, it was, you know, egregious, um, you know, maybe probably a bit. He probably noticeably a bit more conservative in the first half on his reads and, and where he was going with the football. But, uh, you know, maybe that's (laughs) a risk aversion from bad experience in the past. I don't know. Uh, But but that was was strange to me with McCaffrey. And then when when Wiley had thrown his second interception, that was the point in Arkansas, went down and and scored. That was at the point where I'm like, all right, it's it's what was uh, uh, 24-17 at that point. And Wiley's throwing two picks and Rice had Rice can tie it up. They need a spark. I was almost certain that McCaffrey was going to get the next yeah. drive because at that point, at that point, it's not a like it's been back and forth all game. So you don't have to sell that as like a, we're benching him forever. You can just say, right. hey, this guy's not we're on. Gonna we're going to get the other guy. A turn. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought I, th- I thought that would be pretty easy to sell. Um, but. Wiley came back out there, and that's when I was like, okay, what's going on? Yeah,
0: it just didn't feel like there was any rhyme or reason for any of it.
1: And, and then clearly there was reason because it was, it was exactly the third drive.
0: Yeah, but it just, the, the constant swapping for random plays, the, I don't know just none of it really made sense to me. And I think, I don't know, you you kind of need to just make a decision from here. And I personally think that, you know, if it were up to me, um, you know, you saw in that game that when the lights are big and the pressure's on, you're probably gonna get those same mistakes from Wiley. And maybe it's time to just say, let's give McCaffrey an extended audition. And if he can win the job, then he wins the job. If he can't, then I, I guess you go back to Wiley. But, um, like, you can only put off making this decision for so long. Like, clearly that system is not going to work going forward. Or if you're going to use two quarterbacks, there has to be, like, a rhythm to it. There has to be a reason to it. It has to be, like, a set arrangement. And it can't yeah. just be this every third drive. And we feel like it on third down, like there's got to be a system here and there's got to be a decision. Like one guy's kind of got to be the guy and there is only so long you can put off this decision. Like it clearly did not serve the team well in week one to be doing this. So.
1: Yeah. And I think it was, it it made me really curious about what, what McCaffrey's comfort level in this offense really is. Um. Because at this point and and what what I can see with my eye just watching practice or or the game is I can see a a quarterback (laughs) throwing the football and running the football and doing all the athletic plays you need to the what it takes to uh, kind of orchestrate an offense. This complex is something that, you know, kind of only the guys in the room know, frankly, right? Uh, and so it, is it at the case where um and i think it's interesting cuz you know you had mike collins come in last year and he was here in the spring and that helped him a lot um talking with him talking with bloom that was a, a huge uh, boost for him as he kind of learned things tom stewart the uh, year prior he he committed I believe late spring early summer, so he wasn't here for spring ball, um, but it helped that a he was from Harvard, so he's <laughs> very smart um and b Harvard runs a a similar ish like pro style kind of scheme um so he wasn't starting from from ground zero, and McCaffrey really is starting from ground zero, and I think it's what what in conversations with the staff. Uh, they've made comments of, of Wiley knowing the scheme at a PhD level. And he has been here at at this point longer than some of his coaches. And I, I would be more than willing to bet he could explain the scheme better than some of the coaches that aren't, you know, in the intricate especially maybe some of the defensive guys that are are newer and don't, don't need to know the intricacies of the tight end blocking tree, you know, like, yeah. Um, so, and I think that that's what I'm curious about, because we kind of saw this a couple years ago when it was the shift to Giovanni as, yeah, I'm thinking back to like the Marshall game in 2019. Um, yeah, where okay, we're we're cutting back to 20 percent of the playbook, and we're adding just a lot of read option, essentially. Uh, I know it was a bit more complicated than that. And so that's kind of what I'm most curious about because if if scrapping your offense and starting with a more revised scheme with the more athletic quarterback is the best option to win football games. Yeah, I mean, I think you you probably have to do that, but also you probably don't want to do that like, rebuilding the offense throughout the year probably seems pretty daunting too i don't
0: yeah i mean you can't totally change the scheme but like clearly they have some plays now that McCaffrey is comfortable running like you have to be able like you should never be wedded to your scheme over the abilities of your players and if wiley knows the offense as well as the coaches do or better then that's great um that doesn't help a whole lot when he's throwing three interceptions in the second half. So
1: no, um, it it doesn't. And then this is a, you know, not football field related thing, but I think is interesting. And I've been talking with folks just around college football and any level of football, frankly, Uh, when's the last time ever that you can remember a backup quarterback that was a team captain? Yeah, it's not common. And I, I, I uncommon, I can't, I literally cannot think of an instance. I've been racking my brain since the announcement came up on, I guess this was Thursday before the game. Um, Because, because Wiley was named a captain by his peers, which... You know, obviously, winning football games is gonna what we think is probably gonna trump at the end of the game. But I think that says something of you know this entire process throughout camp. We've been kind of like, I think McCaffrey's probably the better option. Like I, I have not shied away from saying that. Right. Um, neither of us have. But at the same time, Wiley's been the guy who's gotten the first snap with the ones with the entire time. So uh, there's clearly a. Some sort of barrier there that's that's kept Wiley up. I I I would think at this point I w- we're probably going to see both guys against Houston. I'm I'm just going to guess that at the moment um, how it plays out. I if we don't see more of McCaffrey, I become probably more concerned about his. Understanding of the system and ability to execute it than I do. I'm probably more more have more worry there than worried that Bloom is just gonna ride Wiley till the end. Does that make yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, 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 I agree with you. So, I mean, I, I guess we'll see. And that's kind of it, it's it stinks that we kind of are back at the quarterback conversation in early. September again for right. the umpteenth year in a row but uh I think that the, the the running game and the just running the ball and stopping the run were the kind of the two things that I thought big picture that need to be addressed and need to be fixed going forward and I think not playing Arkansas and playing Houston which can do neither of those things probably to that <laughs> degree. Um, I feel so that I, I feel better about that, but the only, the only other thing that I was really left with questions about it was, it was those two things in quarterback. Did, did anything else kind of stand out on the bucket list of things that need to get fixed?
0: Um, not really. I mean, those things and stay healthy are my only, uh, like areas for, for concentration going over the next couple of weeks. Um, I guess that leads into. We'll do a very brief talk about uh the Bayou Buggy here. Um I guess I was feeling worse about this game when I was watching uh Houston get out to a 14 nothing lead on Texas Tech and then all of a sudden <laughs> I checked this guard, it's like oh, oh, literally the exact same thing. Like it's eerie how similarly these games played out.
1: But well, the thing is that like the exact same ish except Clayton tuned through f- through four interceptions instead of two,
0: yeah, and and, and absolutely ghastly. Four point six. He threw thirty-eight passes and netted one hundred and seventy-four yards. Oh, and exactly. they had a similarly thirty-five carries for seventy-seven yards. Like they like Houston averaged in total like, or they managed two hundred and fifty-one yards on seventy-three plays, and Rice managed, I think. Uh, 308 yards on 74 plays. So they were actually worse on offense than Rice was, and I don't think Texas Tech is better than, a, like, there's been a lot of chatter that Matt Wells is going to get fired this year. Because, like, Texas Tech is not good.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I'd take Arkansas over Tech on a neutral field. Yeah.
0: If, so, if, if,
1: if for no other reason, because they have KJ Jefferson and and Traylon Burks but and they probably have better defensive talent honestly
0: oh yeah definitely I don't think uh Tech has anybody like Jalen Catalan or or
1: does Tech have anybody I'm actually trying to think through my I no
0: I I could not (laughs) make this one we're
1: not going to break down Texas Tech tonight
0: yeah um but like if I was really, I mean, I was very unsure about this game coming into the season, honestly, because I just honestly had no idea how good Houston was going to be. Um, obviously, you don't want to react too hard to week one in any one direction, but I feel a lot better about this game now. Like, I absolutely think Rice is going to be able to back up physically here. I don't know that Houston has a lot of weapons that really scare you in the way even the light trail on Burks does. Definitely not in the way Burks does, but like. Uh, No, Um, I think Rice can match up on the outside. I think they can stop the run here. So, like, I don't think Houston's defensive talent is as good as Arkansas. So, like, if Rice can get some things cleaned up, hopefully they can be better on offense. Like, this is a this is to me, at least looking at it right now, a very winnable game for Rice.
1: Yeah, I think the spread opened at eight points in favor of Houston. Um which is much better than the twenty points Rice was a dog yeah. at at Arkansas. Um, so there's that po- that thing. If there's like kind of if I'm like just giving my high level one thing that I, I really do think that the Houston offense uh, runs through uh, Dell at, at wide receiver and Trey on their tight end, and and that is it. I, I don't. I, I I legitimately do not believe they have another playmaker on offense. And maybe that maybe the Cougar fans will come after me, and and. <laughs> and proved me wrong but i i i don't they have nobody and if if the rice defense and here's the difference i think if the rice defense can stop trahan over the middle and and dell going deep which nothing i've seen so far especially what they did against arkansas makes me feel like they can't do that then uh i feel that that's kind of like my one thing if if it doesn't it might not matter who plays quarterback for rice or how well they do if the defense can stop those two guys Houston's to score what they end up against Texas Tech would do, do they score 21? Yeah. Uh, 21 yeah 21 might think, be generous
0: <laughs> i think rice can hold them under 20 like pretty
1: pretty solidly yeah um, and we've seen them win a lot of games well, maybe not a lot, but we've seen them win several games with suffocating defense and one or two well-timed touchdown drives. We'd like yeah. more than that, but I—that's <laughs> kind of my uh, my in-in-a-box kind of thought on Houston. I—I th- I think if the defenses can just hold their own and shut those two guys down, I feel pretty good about it.
0: Yeah. No No Marquez
1: Stevenson taking the top off this year.
0: No, this is not. No Derek King, no Marquez Stevenson. Like, I feel very, very good about Rice's ability to get stops in this game. Um, But we'll see. So um, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, Thanks for sticking with us. Hopefully we get a better result next week. Uh, We'll be back to break down that game and uh, Rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.